blue wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. What is up and welcome into episode 178 of Press Pass. Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. And we are bringing you a fresh new episode after what was another interesting weekend of college football. Joshua, how's the week treating you? It's treating me well. Um, Yeah, we're going to be bringing some heat this week. Uh, I learned a lot about a couple of teams, really a few teams, uh, notable college football programs. And there's going to be a couple of I told you so's probably going on as well on this show. I like that. See, and I'm all about, you know, up in the ante a little because I got a text from you that said, Kayla, this is the best time of year. And why is that, Joshua? Well, it's because we feel like we know enough to make um, blanket statements, to make uh, statements of fact where really there's so much football to be played that we still don't know anything. Um, But we can take a victory lap on some of the predictions we've made. We can point fingers and laugh at some predictions that other people made that have fallen flat on their face. And we could still all be wrong by the end of this thing. I agree. And this year is really, you know, there's some power programs we're talking about, but it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. And it's like you said, not over yet. So let's start with the new AP top 25 rankings. I'll do the top five. Obviously, some shakeup here. So Georgia remaining in that number one spot with 31 first place votes, with Ohio State coming in at number two with 17 first place votes. And this is where the change happened, as Tennessee took down at the time number three Alabama this past weekend in Knoxville. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Tennessee receiving 15 first place votes, which puts them at number three followed by Michigan at four and Clemson at five. Of course, like I mentioned, the tide rolling down to the sixth spot. First and foremost, Joshua, um, is Tennessee in the right spot after a huge win over Bama on Saturday? Yeah, this is the conversation that we had um, over the weekend because I know there were a lot of Tennessee fans that and, and not even just Tennessee fans. I think college football fans at large that believe that once you take down Alabama, and, uh, you know, they, and Hendon Hooker was emphatic in the way that he did it, that they deserve to be number two or number one in the nation. I would reply with this. Um, Georgia, you can make an argument that they don't belong in the number one spot. And I, I wouldn't fight anybody that makes that argument. But they have won all of their football games. They are the defending national champs. They have a a really good defense and some dangerous weapons on offense. So I I don't necessarily have an issue with them at number one. Then you look at Ohio State at number two. Obviously, uh, the university I played at, so anytime I I step to their defense, I sound like a homer and people want to call me that. But this is just stating the facts. Ohio State is undefeated. They have the Heisman frontrunner at quarterback, and the, the margin has narrowed between him and Hendon Hooker, who has absolutely burst onto the scene. Um, But C.J. Stroud's been phenomenal. 24 touchdowns, three interceptions this year. Done it without Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
they found a very consistent run game with two running backs and they have a top 10 total defense in the country. People would say, well, they haven't played anybody. I 100% agree with those people. Ohio State has not played anybody. But let's make it one thing clear is it's not because, you know, they, they haven't played teams that we think should be good. They played Notre Dame, who ended up being an absolute dud. They've played Wisconsin, who is an absolute dud. Yeah. They've played uh, Michigan State, who's an absolute dud. So three of their games, in theory, are against programs that are usually notable within college football. They just haven't been good. And Ohio State's handled them. It hasn't really been close. Exactly. In any of them. Um, then you get to Tennessee. What a win that they had. This Tennessee program looks great. I mentioned Hendon Hooker. He is everything that you want your starting quarterback to be. And I wish nothing but success to that young man, unless he plays my Buckeyes, then I hope that he plays a good, not great game and he gets out of their injury free. <laughs> um, but you have to look at the, the totality of what happened. They played at home and that is an environment that was absolutely rocking. Neyland, when Tennessee is good, is a place that nobody should want to play. It's a big old stadium yep. and that is a rabid fan base. Um, I actually love the way that their fans turned out and the way that they celebrated. I think that's yeah. the best part of college football. Um, and quite frankly, those fans have been through a lot in the last two decades, deserve sure. uh, a victory like that. Um, but this is not an Alabama team that to me is vintage Nick Saban. Um, their defense was uncharacteristic and, and as good as Hendon Hooker is, I don't expect anybody to do what he did against an Alabama defense. So that's number one. This is also a team that got into a battle with Texas and probably would have lost if Quinn Ewers would have played that full game. Um, and I think we need to acknowledge that as a part yes. of Alabama's story arc. Then you look number three. Alabama is one of the most undisciplined football teams in the nation as of right now. Um, they are penalized like crazy. They had, you know, 15, 17, something crazy 17. like that penalties. 17. Yeah. And uh, when they played Texas, they had 10. Yeah. Um, this, this is not a disciplined football team, which means that it can't be an elite football team. Um, so when you put all those factors in there, I think that Tennessee is right where they belong. Also to mention that this is a team that, you know, they gave up, what, 400, 500 yards of offense. Um, they're going to face offenses that are similarly skilled or even more skilled. I think Ohio State's offense is better if they were to meet in the playoff. Um, than what Alabama had to put out there. That's not a championship caliber defense, certainly not the defense of the number one team in the land. Um, three feels right, and three is a spot where everything's out in front of them. Three is a spot where even if they drop a game to, say, Georgia down the line, they could be in position to make the college football playoff. So Tennessee fans, I say hold your horses, um, but also I say that you're in perfect position right now, and if you handle business the way that you're supposed to, College football playoff berth is sitting right there for you. Yeah, and I completely agree with everything you said on our radio show this week, which I'm excited to know you're going to join as a guest this week. So I'm pumped about that. Make sure you tune in. Uh, you can watch it streaming tomorrow when Joshua joins in the 8 o'clock hour, and we'll talk a little college football. So um, we had mentioned that on the show that – you know, first of all, hold your horses was kind of my message because there is plenty of time to, you know, make a run for if you want if you want that top spot or if you just are concerned about making the college football playoff, you have 
plenty of time to do so. And really, these AP rankings, I mean, we got to remember the college football rankings are the ones that really uh, mean the most when it's all said and done. Um, And those have not come out yet. Now, I think the one argument that I was hearing, and you addressed it from fans, is, well, Tennessee has the best resume. And, you know, I say to that, yes, I, I agree that Tennessee has played four top 25 ranked teams. Um, And they have done a good job in, you know, taking care of business. But if you look at all those AP top 25 teams now, they're all out of the rankings. Right. And that's something you and I have continued to discuss that we can't really count on just saying, well, they they beat ranked teams. I mean, I don't really think that that's necessarily how you should look at how how, what makes the team good or not. I mean, there's so much more that goes into it. Um, Yes. You know, right, it's, may I jump in on that real quick? Yeah, yeah. That has been pissing me off. It has been wearing me out because then Ohio State could go around claiming a, a top five victory against right. Notre Dame, right? That's but what, you, that's what I'm that, saying. Yeah, that would be stupid. Um, so you played Pittsburgh. It's not a good team. Um, Florida, they've got their struggles right now, and LSU. Um, and this is also part of my issue with um, the folks voting for the AP, not necessarily yourself, but like LSU had no business sneaking in the back end at 25, but I never now, put them in it. I never put them I, in at 25. I know. That's why I don't have an issue with you. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, some of your contemporaries, I'm looking at them like, come on, because yeah. now Tennessee fans get to parade around saying that they beat a top 25 team that it's not top 25 anymore. And they didn't have any business being in there when they were ranked 25 anyway. Yep. I know. And that's my whole thing is when I'm hearing these callers call in and, and I'm proud to say that I voted Tennessee at number three and I'll give all the reasons why. And yesterday I pulled out the stats even with even when you say, oh, Ohio State hasn't played that many, you know, um, tough opponents. And I'll say, well, they're still way better than Tennessee is on defense and they're just right there on offense. And they have a Heisman candidate trophy um, quarterback. And it, 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 I think it did put a lot of people into place like, oh, okay, well, maybe we didn't know as much about Ohio State, at least, was maybe they've seen Georgia play and they've seen Georgia play those close games to Missouri and Kent State. Maybe right. they're not as impressed with Georgia. But I'm like, are you guys forgetting Ohio State is right here and could very easily be the number one you know, team? And uh, I did have some Buckeyes reach out to me and say, thank you for somewhat bringing, you know, neutralization to the to the situation. I said, well, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I I think it's interesting, um, you know, because you consider college football, it's such a regional sport. Yeah. Um, So, like, I, you know, would Tennessee fans watch every Ohio State game? No, I don't expect them to. Vice versa with Ohio State fans. Like, I think probably the first time that. Many of them would have watched Tennessee this year if it wasn't when they played Pittsburgh. It would have been this last game against Alabama. Um, yeah. So it, you don't get the full context and the full window into what these teams actually are. But once you really start diving into it and, um, you know, starting, you try to understand the DNA of these teams, I think the, the bigger picture comes into play. Um, and also, and I, I do this, I, I get, you know, twisted up in these situations too, but. It's a lot of football left. A lot of football left. Like these rankings matter, but they don't. 
Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you look at Ohio State, clearly Ohio State has some teams that are coming up on the horizon. We we saw a little bit more from Michigan this past weekend, which um, I'm going to ask you about in just a minute. And then I just told Tennessee fans, look, let's like slow your roll for a minute. You've got UT Martin this weekend, but you've got a Kentucky team that hasn't beat you in 23 tries. We'll have Will Levis back at quarterback and seems to be healthy, you know, and, and progressing in the right direction. Um, I know it's in Knoxville, but that isn't to say that you can look past them to Georgia because Kentucky's out for blood, too. Right. So that's what I was, you know, kind of trying to remind Tennessee fans. Ride the high now. That's OK. Enjoy the win. But let's look at, you know, moving forward. There's still plenty of of teams to take care of. So with that, what did you think about Michigan's win over Penn State? Emphatic would be the word that I would use to describe that win. Um, it wasn't particularly close. And I, I don't even think that the scoreboard really indicated how much of a beatdown that was. And Michigan won that game by a lot of points. Yeah. Um, they, you know, Penn State was able to come up with a big run from Sean Clifford, which um, he had like 74 yards on that run. Their running backs had like 40 yards the whole game. Um, yeah. Just to kind of contextualize how big that run was for them, put them into scoring position. So it was like one bad play by Michigan's defense mm-hmm. the whole day. And then um, offensively for Michigan, just being able to to go out and smack them 418 yards on the ground. Like, Jeez. Uh, yeah. And, and so to to put this into context, I think you need to understand two things is Jim Harbaugh is right where he wants to be as a coach. He has a team that can run the piss out of the football. Um, He's got a quarterback that can, he's more explosive than quarterbacks that they've had in the past, but he can facilitate that offense um, in a way that Jim likes it, at least for now until they have to open it up. And then defensively, uh, the biggest question was how you replace Ojabo and Hutchinson, and they've done a masterful job at that. Um, so Penn State, I don't know where they go from here because now they're looking uh, – there, there are so many questions I don't think they can answer in a short amount of time. They had statistically one of the best rush defenses in the country and got the ball run down their throat. And I think it's because they made a choice to recruit players that were more finesse athletes – um, that could pass rush and, and try to compete with a team like Ohio State than uh, recruiting players that can uh, hold up against a run like what Michigan does. Um, so that's number one. The number two, the run game for Penn State, which I believe I mentioned, I wasn't sure how good it actually was based off the competition that they had played in Michigan exposed that run game for exactly what it is. Um, it, it's wild. Well, it's setting up to you know hopefully be a, another good Rivalry game between Michigan and Ohio State towards the end of the regular season. I know we have some time to go before that, but both teams trending in the right direction. So I think that will be exciting. On the side of the Pac-12, I told the guys in the studio, make sure to watch out for this USC-Utah game. I said, look, USC's a good team. But I said, you know, Utah's going to be at home. That environment can get crazy up there. I don't think Mm -hmm. as many people realize the Utah fans – how great of an environment they can make that. And, and, you know, USC had some, you know, they had some things that had been exposed. And sure enough, I know it was a close game, a one-point game, but the Utes, uh, they they upset USC. I mean, did you get a chance to look at any of that game or any of the stats from that one? I did, as a matter of fact. Um, And largely I was impressed by um, 
Utah and their resolve uh, because they got down early in that game and they kept fighting back in there. Um, the the toughness and grit of that team, I think, is the difference. Um, also, a big difference in this game is Caleb Williams when he is doing the sleight of hand, Lincoln Riley, you know, uh, you know confuse guys and scheme them to death stuff is a really good quarterback. When he has to be a pocket passer and he's got to get the football down the field without all of the bells and whistles, this kid ain't got it. And I think that's going to be an issue down the line because when you're talking about competing for championships, you're going to face defenses that take you out of your best stuff. Like every game plan that we ever made defensively was to try to make the offense play left-handed. And if you can get this USC offense to that point, they don't have a lot of answers. Yeah, and and that that's the thing with the Pac-12 right now is clearly they're trying to fight for one of these teams to be representative in the college football playoff. It's going to make it a lot harder now with a one-loss USC team, but you've still got UCLA, which I think we're still slowly starting to learn how good that team is. That'll be a huge matchup on Saturday between UCLA and Oregon as Chip Kelly goes back to his old stomping grounds in Eugene. I'm looking forward to that one, Joshua. Well, it's going to be a fun one. Um, I mean, Oregon has definitely shifted their narrative from what it was at the beginning of the year. I mean, by God, Um, they look like an awful football team. And UCLA has been a very pleasant surprise. DTR has been great this year. Zach Charbonnet at the running back position is uh, one of the best backs nationally, and I don't think he's getting enough conversation right now. This is going to be a fun football game. So I know looking at Ohio State has Iowa this weekend, Joshua. What do you want to continue to see from the Buckeyes to to know that while they might not be playing the most difficult schedule, they're improving as a team? Yep. So this would be the thing is um, offensively, they're going to face their biggest test up to this point with Iowa's defense. And uh, this is still, I believe, a top three scoring defense nationally. uh, If I have that correct. Uh, Let me pull up my stats here. Sorry. Yeah, I was number three in the nation in scoring defense. Um, So, I mean, it's it's a real test like this ain't no uh, just roll the helmets out and the offense is going to be explosive like they have to be on point coming off of a bye week. Uh, which can be a challenge sometimes. Um, But the thing for me, and this is a weird place to put it, because offensively, um, this Iowa team is the worst, literally, offense in the country. Um, So if you're Ohio State, they can only hurt you with two players. Iowa's got two tight ends. I call them the law firm of Laporta and Lachey. Um, You can't (laughs) – the law firm. You cannot let those guys heat up uh, or else you're going to run into issues. And so I think defensively, this is as big of a game as any, because you can easily um, say, oh, you know, we got these guys in the bag and start looking ahead on the schedule where, um, you know, you don't want to have a bad performance on defense coming out of bye week against the worst offense in the country. Um, Jim Lachey, the, uh, the color analyst for the radio broadcast for Ohio State, Kayla? You there? Yeah. You got me? Yes, I got you. Sorry. If I, if I thought you dropped for a second. No, um, I'm saying uh, Jim Lachey, his son is Luke Lachey, who's the tight end at Iowa. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Okay. 
their second best offensive player. So I know uh, Jim is always a little bit conflicted in uh, in this specific matchup. What is it with these Iowa coaches that have sons that play? Because it was same thing on the basketball team for Iowa. Yeah, I, I, do you I remember no that? It's so funny. Yes. That's really funny because I didn't know that. Sorry, that just brought that up to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's really funny." It's a trend there. <laughs> yes. So this uh, this will be. I, I mean, it's big noon, but it's it's only big noon because it's Ohio State. Like, I, I think they can win this game by forty five points. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying that to, like, you know, pump Ohio State's tires. I'm saying that because I think it's absolutely true, and I think this is also a game that regardless of what the scoreboard says, like, you know, Ryan Day can leave his guys in here because I think style points are going to be important for this Ohio State team, considering that the teams that were supposed to be good on their schedule just haven't lived up to their billing. Well, I agree with you. And, and, and again, you know, it's unfortunate because they can't, they can't choose what's going to happen to the opponents. I mean, it, it, it is what it is, but what I keep saying is they keep taking care of business. And I think that continues to, to, to be the mindset for Ryan Day uh, and his staff is to continue to make sure that that, that happens. Um, and I know, you know, people want to say what they want to say about style points. I don't give a rat's ass, uh, you know, keep doing it. Cause that's the only way that I guess these other, these other people are going to see. And with the college football playoff committee starts making, you know, it's votes that they they're going to want to see that. I mean, that's, it is what it is. And they've got to make up for it somehow. Um, although it's not their fault again, who their opponents are or how they've digressed. So. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I think Ryan and I, I talked to him when I, before I was calling the Rutgers game, um, he's highly sensitive about wanting to upstage other teams. Yeah. Like he doesn't want it to seem like he's piling on. No. Um, and, and this was coming off of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after they had played Toledo and scored 77. Yep. Um, and so he, what he said was really unique because he's like, if I put my backups into early, it looks like I'm saying that y'all can't keep up with our backups, but if you leave the starters in too long, it looks like you're trying to run up the score. Yeah. And so there's this unique balance. And my thing is the guys lined up on the other team are all scholarship players, especially in the big 10 conference. There's not a coach that's making less than 4 million bucks a year as a head coach. And they've got in this conference, if I'm not mistaken, um, double digit assistant coaches that are making at least a million bucks a year. I would run the score up every freaking chance I got. I agree. Um, and I wouldn't think twice about it because at the end of the day, you need to do what's best for your team. Now, do you put players at risk and leave guys in too long to the point where you ask a question about, you know, if a, a freak play happens, somebody gets hurt? Like, I think that's where you draw the line on when you take your players out. But to look like you don't want to run up the score, um, I think Ryan has respect for the game and sportsmanship and his colleagues in coaching. Um, and if I was a coach, I guess I'd be a bad guy because I don't know if I'd have that same level of respect. My my thought process would be have my guys gotten enough reps today. And right? that's it. That'd probably be my mindset too, Joshua. But again, you know, Ryan Day has some class. Maybe we don't. Um, no, I, I no, I don't. So, okay, here's a question for you that I want to pose because we're we're talking about some of these programs that either have vacancies right now, or let's just kind of you know you know expose the elephant in the room when it comes to Auburn. I mean, I don't think Brian Harson is lasting, maybe even this season. I mean, I might I think he might be fired 
you know, maybe next week. I don't know. I just know the stuff that goes on at Auburn and they want him out. And if they want him out, they're probably going to get him out. Um, with saying that, we just saw what happened with Matt Rule um, being let go by the Carolina Panthers. I know he's making a lot of money and he can sit back and do what he wants, but uh, do you see a guy like that getting back into coaching? Um, and do you see uh, any other potential candidates possibly, you know, if Harson gets fired at Auburn, if there's a candidate out there that could make this program relevant again? Yeah, I, I mean, if I'm um... – if I'm Matt Rule, I'm definitely jumping back into college coaching. And here's the uh, the most interesting part about his buyout is there's typically offset language. So if you get another job, it they whatever you're paid from your new job, they deduct it off of your buyout. So your your old team make sure that if your buyout, for example, is forty million, one way or another, you get the forty million, but it might not all come from them. Okay. Um, if you find employment and a lot of these jobs stipulate that you have to be actively looking for work. Okay. Um, so in saying that, if I am Matt rule, I'm 100% taking a job, Yeah. but I would stick it to the Panthers and I would tell the university, you can pay me a half a million dollars a year because they got me for 40 million over the next however many years. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we got to kick our the contract up and y'all got to come up with some money to pay me in line with what the the top coaches in college football are making. But, you know, as a petty guy myself, I would say, listen, I'm already getting paid $40 million over, say, the next four years. Like, you guys pay me a half a million, so it's two million bucks over four years. They pay me the other 38, we're all whole. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. And look, college needs – the best coaches in the game, right? They need they need those those coaches that are going to take it to a next level, that are going to make it competitive. I feel like Matt Rule was able to do that when he was coaching college. I never thought the NFL was his calling, but some of those guys just wanted to test the water. It didn't work for him. I think he needs to get back into the college game. Uh, we need coaches that, you know, can can bring programs up instead of bringing them down or sideways like Brian I mean Huston. he did a hell of a job at Baylor like he did. um he did you know it was that was a tough spot to be at too with what they were going through and that nasty program that they had running there right um, and and he absolutely turned that thing into a uh a place now that's really continued to have pretty good success playing football yeah and that's a hard job too because there's a lot of talent in Texas and uh, neighboring areas, but the uh, so if you're in Texas, you got the University of Texas, you've got um, Oklahoma, who's going to be vying for your recruits. Yep, you've got Texas Tech, you've got TCU, you got Houston, who is kind of doing their thing, and M. Um, and then you throw Baylor in the mix, like it's a lot of ways to cut the pie in terms of recruiting. It's a difficult spot from that regard. Yeah. Um, and, and he really had that thing rolling for the few years he was there. He really did. So I, I just kind of want to selfishly, I just want to see him get back into college football. Cause I want to see him, you know, do that at another program. Um, and look, I think college football is always better when there's big names that are doing well. And so, um, you know, Auburn is a, is a great program and it's just, it continues to get hit by bad decisions that they're making. So, you know, if Brian Horson is let go or maybe they give him more time, whatever, but I think regardless, Matt Rule needs to find a landing spot. If I were him, I would definitely get back in the game. Um, 
does Clemson have a shot at beating Syracuse this week? Or does Syracuse, excuse me, have a shot at beating Clemson this week? And I do want to say I have been impressed with um, just how DJ um, Uyunglele has kind of started coming yes. along. Because, Joshua, we gave him crap last year and well-deserved. I mean, he was not at the level he should have been. But I feel like he's progressing. He is. Um, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I've been extremely hard on him. He is way better than I thought he was going to be and what he showed at the beginning of the year. Excuse me, you can compare the stats. You can just look at the numbers overall. Um, you can just look at the way that he's played. He's been uh, pretty good. Is he a super top-end quarterback? No. Um, but is he a guy that you'd be happy to trot out there on Saturdays? Yes. Um, this Clemson defense, I also believe, is a very good unit. Yeah. And uh, Dabo Swinney, as much as I hate to compliment the son of a gun, um, has <laughs> done a good job in having to replace his coordinators. Um, Syracuse will put up a fight. I think they'll make the game interesting. They don't have the top end to really hang in there. Nope. I agree with that. I just wanted to get your opinion. Okay. Anything else you're looking out for this weekend? Uh, No. <laughs> he says, uh, no, I so do. I Penn do State and Minnesota are playing and that was supposed to be a great game. But I both know. Of them the bed. Right. See, and that's what I feel like keeps happening with these big 10 teams. When I talked to you this year, it's like there, you, we've got some teams we're excited about. There's some momentum and then it kind of gets, you know, the momentum gets kind of sliced. Yeah. And bad. why is Tulane ranked 25th, people? Well, they had to throw somebody in there at Guess the end. what? No. I didn't put them in there. They did not deserve to be in my 25, and they're going to be who'd you have? back out. What? I said, who'd you have in there? I can't even remember. Well. Well. Oh, I don't I, think I dropped Kansas all the way out. They were at 25. Uh, fair enough. Kansas is going to be out. Quarterback injury just is absolutely going to – kill yeah. them, which is a shame because that was a really fun story at the beginning of the year. But, you know, those types of programs cannot sustain no. uh, losses on starters like that. I am interested to see how Alabama bounces back against the Mississippi State team that we still don't really know exactly what it is because it's Mike Leach running the program. Yeah, um, he's a... You know, so I think Alabama might curb stomp them. She, uh, yeah. You know? This, uh, yes, and Salty Saban. Oh, you do not want a Salty Saban. 17 penalties last week against Tennessee, the most ever under Nick Saban at his time at Alabama. Yeah, Saban, uh, he, uh, oof. He lost uh, a lot more hair on Saturday. Let me just tell you that, folks. He, I, I fear for what the practices are like in Tuscaloosa this week. I do, too. I really do. Um, I wish we were flies I, I, on the wall in there. I, I need to get down to Tuscaloosa and, and just like seriously do a, um, like just be there for a week. Yeah. And just shadow Nick Saban That's and, what I'm and write like a, a day in the life type of. That'd be great. But they won't let me do that. I, I mean, can't that'd get that be, much I access. wish you could. I mean, you could sit down there and have your, your little Debbies with him while, you know, you're in on. Uh, film and everything, just eating some little Debbies with, with Saban. I've heard that those are his favorite, you know. Yes, he loves those. So little things that count. Joshua, where can people go to find you on social media? And yes, also on the famous TikTok. 
Oh, yeah. You can find me at RIP underscore J-E-P on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me also at not Josh Perry on the old Tic Tac. Tic Tac. Give a dog a bone. And uh, you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV, both Instagram and Twitter. And remember. UNC at 25, by the way. What did you say? UNC at 25. Oh, that's what I had. Yeah. Is that bad? No, I just, I, I went to look it up. I just, I had to see. Yeah, I thought UNC, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that's better than Tulane. Some uh, Oklahoma writer put Ohio State at five. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, yeah. laughable. I, I don't even want it. I, I can't even discuss people like that. Mm. I just, mm. I can't. And look, being a, a, a AP voter is not an easy task, folks. It's not. It is not I, an easy task. I'll tell you. I don't know how many conversations we have had about like, how do you fill out those last handful of spots? Because well, it's difficult. It is. And, and you know, the, the bottom five or whatever, it it's more so, you know, every week those are, are likely to go in and out, in and out. But um, for the most part, uh, I feel like the upper echelon of my voting has been pretty okay. So um, I haven't gotten too much backlash since the WSU people were on my throats for the first three weeks of the season. That is Have they crazy. gone away? Yeah. By the way, I flew hmm. the flag on Did you? Saturday, game day. It was phenomenal. How was it? It was phenomenal. It was absolutely Great. phenomenal. Um, we had people coming up to us wanting to take pictures. Everybody knows the story now. You know, it's got its own commercial on ESPN the game day flag tradition, how it was started. Um, so people are really starting to realize how cool it is uh, that that flag has been at every game day since 2003. So that is pretty cool. Yeah. So it was really neat. I got to meet some of the original people just that have been kind of heading up this whole, whole project. Um, and then just a lot of random Coug alumni that you was that now, you know, live in Knoxville because they're, you know, sister or boyfriend or whatever lived there. And they, they saw me and my coog gear and came right up to me and said, Oh my gosh, I was a graduate in 2009. Oh, I graduated in 2011. You know, it was really cool. That's fun. Yeah. So really neat there, really neat experience at game day. Um, you can imagine how crazy it was in Knoxville, but all around great experience this past weekend. Um, and I just, I love college football for that reason, just the traditions and and all the stuff that comes along with it. So Joshua will be on our show. If you catch this podcast before Wednesday, he'll be on the show on 104.5 The Zone. It is streaming live on Twitter. So go ahead and follow us and see all the, the great, uh, you know, the, the great insight that Joshua will bring. And he's not biased. So he'll just give it to you straight. All right. Absolutely. You guys take care. Have a great weekend and good luck to all your teams.